What's up, Broncos country? What's up, Broncos country? This is Phil Lindsay. Justin Simmons here. This is Alexander Johnson. Hey, I'm Vaughn Miller, and you're listening to the Nutra Zone. Hello, and thank you for joining us here on the Neutral Zone. I am Phil Milani, joined as always by my trusty sidekick, my partner in crime. Really, the best way to describe this person is my everything. It's at Eric Delala. Phil, great to see you. It's great to be with you as well here, uh, Eric. Uh, where are you joining us from today? Is this? Uh, are you at UC the facility? Health, UC Health Training Center, naturally. Um, today ends in Y, so I'm at work. I understand you though have to be at home to water your plants and such. Um, <laughs> did my did my Valentine's gift make it to your yeah, con? Thank you very much. Yeah, my wife thought it was too much, but uh, I liked them. Thank you. Well, that's all that really matters. <laughs> Eric, uh, have you bumped into any players while you were there at the facility? Uh, yeah, I've seen a few around. Um, was lucky enough, Phil, to talk with Albert Okui Boonham. The Bronco. Oh. Could you call him a rookie sensation? Is that fair? I think so. I mean, yeah. very brief. So maybe sort of like a, I don't know, is that brief sensation? sensation? Yeah. Rookie sense. He was like a flame and then it went dispersed. That's then true. It, it blew out. Yeah. So I talked to him though. Nice. And will you play that interview yeah. here for us today? I will. Yeah. Kind of a weird episode where I do the interview. I know. I was like, whoa, calm down, Eric. Um, you were like, uh, um, I was trying to get the uh, third best analyst from TSN Canada's hockey coverage to see what kind of comparisons they could make between hockey and the Broncos. But you passed that up to let me do this interview. So I appreciate that. Is that what you're calling Daniel Jeremiah? Because I don't think that that's very appropriate. No, that was last week. I was talking about yeah. your plans for this week. Different, oh, got different. it. I thought you were trying to just roast the guests that I'm able to line up. No, no, certainly oh, not. Good, good. I'm glad that you didn't do that. Um, we've got a great show in store, though, Eric. Uh, like you mentioned, an interview with Albert O. Uh, we've got that coming up. But first, uh, we'll talk a little bit about what's going on with the Broncos quarterback position. I mean, what is happening here, Eric? So many rumors flying around. The latest is uh, maybe the Broncos were trying to make a trade last week, but it, it fell through. Um, that's what Michael Lombardi was reporting. Uh, earlier in the week, Jeremy Fowler reported that Deshaun Watson was interested in the Broncos. I mean, who knows what's going on here? Something's happening. I, I was going to ask you, like, have you seen Deshaun walking around the facility at all or? He's no. not out there right now. Got doesn't it. mean he wasn't out there. Doesn't mean he won't be out there, but he's <laughs> not out there right now. So we'll uh, we'll break down what's happening uh, at the quarterback position. We'll also talk a little bit about Von Miller. What's the mm. latest with him? Um, obviously, the Broncos have a team option on Von Miller for next season. The Super Bowl 50 MVP drafted to the Broncos, number two overall in 2011. Played his entire career with the Broncos a fan favorite, Eric, but uh, his future, I would say right now, a big question mark is what I, I would say. So we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit. And then we'll wrap up the show with talking about our favorite football movies, Eric, because mm. this week, of course, the 25th anniversary of Happy Gilmore 
coming out. Which is like one of movies, so the connection just <laughs> works right in. One of the all-time great sports movies, but it got me thinking, okay, what's our favorite football movie since this is a football podcast? Are we doing favorite rom-coms next week or when does that happen? Um, if that situation were to arise, I'm fully prepared to discuss it. So yeah, it's obviously it's just, how to lose a guy in 10 days. No, I disagree. I disagree. Okay. Well, yeah. we'll come back it's, to that, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's not. That's a very funny movie, though. I like Matthew McConaughey. It's funny. You, prefer, funny. you probably prefer something more like from your time, like Jane Eyre or something. Yeah, maybe even earlier than that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Please. Um, so how does that sound, Eric? Should we, should we uh, get this thing started? I'm a little nervous, Phil, but um, I think we should just get into it. Yeah, I think uh, uh, that's going to be a great show. Of course, you could listen to The Neutral Zone on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher. It's been a while since we went over those, uh, Eric. You can also watch us on YouTube, Eric. And I will say the comments have been top-notch recently. Some really nice comments. Uh, I wanted to point out a couple here. Uh, Eric Ramos, every week he's coming through on the comment section. Uh, he says that he appreciates the shout out and uh, he says, we're his guys. Eric. Like it? I'd like to hear that. Um, let's see. I'm not sure how you use uh, Jabbar Sins also commented. He said, no hate on how you guys introduce yourselves, Phil. Love the show. He wants to know, how do you think Justin Stranod will fit in next year, Eric? Kind of forgot mm-hmm. about him. You know, we talked so much about this rookie class, forgot about Justin Stranod because he got hurt really early. Yeah, I think that that'll, he could be kind of that missing, or maybe not the missing piece, but one of those like bonus additions, the same way that like Bryce Callahan was kind of that, he was like a bonus free agent last year because he didn't play at all his first year in Denver. Justin Sternod, I think if he can be a coverage linebacker and provide some help on a Travis Kelsey or a Darren Waller, That'd be a big boost. Um, obviously, we know the defense, in some way, Phil is going to go through some shuffling here. Uh, he's got a he's a guy who could uh, carve out some real playing time. I think I'm really excited to see what he looks like in training camp. Do you think that he did enough in last year's training camp to sway the Broncos away from drafting a guy like Micah Parsons uh, with that ninth overall pick? No, I don't. I mean, I, just because a guy like Micah Parsons is a potential Pro Bowl talent. I think you can't overlook that. But Alexander Johnson's a restricted free agent. Josie Jewell will be an unrestricted free agent next year, I believe. Um, so you got to start looking at other guys to fill that spot. And, you know, you never have enough linebackers. I think we saw that here, Phil, when the Broncos, they tried to turn to Mark Barron, um, tried to turn to then Austin Calitro came in, some, some other options that they looked to. Joe Jones got some reps. So I think you need three or four really good guys in that spot. So um, I think Sternod definitely has a chance to not only make the team, obviously, but carve out some good playing time. Yeah. Uh, let's go over a couple of uh, other comments here. Desmond Ray says, hi, guys. Hello. Appreciate that. Pinky <laughs> says that first. Pinky says first. Uh, so first comment. I like that. Was he um, first? Uh, I don't know. Can neither confirm nor deny. Mm-hmm. Um Ramon Para says we should get J.J. Watt, Eric. On the podcast? Um, I think that he meant we as like the Broncos, we. Oh, 
Because I think he could provide a lot to the podcast if we could swing that. He would be good. He's very good on social media. He does not like to uh, shy away from his his opinion. So, yeah, I'll say the the interesting thing, and it's kind of it's difficult to stomach fill, is that um, guys like JJ Watts, Vakir, I think they want to go to a contender, and unfortunately, I don't think that the Broncos maybe fit that bill right at the moment, and so. Or, or maybe like a top, even a top tier contender. Like JJ Watt is more likely to go to uh, Buffalo or a Green, Green Bay. Bay. I saw he was considering <laughs> Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I don't, I would be surprised if, I don't think the Broncos are JJ Watt away from winning the Super Bowl, Phil. Yeah. I, I probably agree with you there. I, uh, I know. I probably um, agree. Mm-hmm. Well, I would never fully agree with you. So that's, let's I'm just get that. Tweet that out. Phil Milani quote if the broncos sign jj watt they're going to the super bowl no i said probably not (laughs) um eric i don't know what you think about this last comment here this one's from robert waquez okay says good job maloney um close close but but um he goes on to say the other guy thinks too much of himself I bet that guy's never even played football besides John Madden. Phil, I know you're angry at me sometimes. You didn't have to go and leave a comment just to take out that, everything that you felt. That's a, that is not my burner account. That is a real comment that we got here. Wow. So. Hey, um, I probably do think too much of myself, but I did play some high school football, Phil. Yeah, that's what uh, I heard. Uh, some two-way goes going on there. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Even some intramural football in college, Phil. Really? Wow. Yeah. Nice. Did you ever win at all? No. Semifinals was the most. Got it. Got it. One last comment I wanted to stick in here. This was on the YouTube page for just specifically the Daniel Jeremiah interview. Um, okay. Obi-Wan K. I believe that's a Obi-Wan K. He says, really good interview. Hair looks amazing, Phil. <laughs> oh my gosh. I appreciate it. So I appreciate it. Really, Thank none you. of these had anything to do with the podcast. They were more just like, let's pump Phil's ego up a little bit. And blast I just wanted to get that. I just wanted to get that in there. Now we can continue on with the show, Eric. Hey, Maloney, can we keep it moving? <laughs> let's keep it moving, Eric. Let's talk about the Broncos quarterback scenario here. What we know for sure is that Drew Locke is still the starter right now. But uh, aside from that, there's a lot of um, speculation about what could happen here, Eric, moving forward. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that. One is that George Payton is a new general manager coming in here. So I think that there's a sense of unfamiliarity there that could cause um, fans to at least say, Hey, Peyton's coming in, wants to get his own quarterback in here, wants to make a bit of a big move to start his time here in Denver. Um, I think that's one reason driving this. And then the other is that uh, most people think that this offense has a lot of young, talented pieces, uh, a a good wide receiver core, uh, strong tight ends, a pretty good offensive line. Um, They think, okay, if they just got a good, consistent quarterback in there, then this team could really take a big jump. So I think those two reasons together are um, 
the reasons why there's so much speculation about the Broncos being involved in all of these quarterbacks that could be on the move here in the NFL. Yeah, Phil, I mean, I think any team, if you don't have a top five, top 10 quarterback, you've got to keep looking. That's what I think most experts around the league would agree that you need to do. You don't want to get stuck in no man's land. And George Payton kind of hinted that he would do this. You know, he said, we're going to be aggressive, but not reckless. We're going to turn over every stone that we can. We're going to look for the best option at any position. So I don't think it should surprise fans or Drew Locke, even if they are involved in conversation for Matt Stafford or Deshaun Watson or, or Carson Wentz or whoever it might be. I know the report from Michael Lombardi that they were close to trading for somebody apparently was not for Sam Darnold, or I believe he said uh, uh, Mitchell Trubisky in Chicago. He said it wasn't for either of those two quarterbacks, but it's still, or excuse me, not Mitchell Trubisky, Marcus Mariota, but that still leaves a lot of quarterbacks out there that they could be involved with. Um, Phil, I, I'm okay with it at this point. You know, the, the exploration, looking for somebody, whether it's a starter, a backup. Um, I'm even okay if you just decide, hey, we're going to go into the season with Drew Locke and see what he wants to do. But I do think there has to be some sort of drop dead date where you have to decide we're going to move forward with this plan because you can't be waiting on Deshaun Watson or whoever it is forever. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that's clear is that the Broncos have not come out and said, we're all in behind Drew Locke, which they didn't quite do that last off season, but they sort of hinted toward being excited about what Drew could do, that Drew was going to be the guy heading into next, uh, into the last season. Um, They have definitely not done that this year. And I think that if something was going to happen with Deshaun, I would imagine it'll be around the draft. That's just sort of the time frame that I think makes the most sense to me is that, you know, right around then where you're talking about moving a lot of draft capital, that's given the Texans more than enough time to see if they could uh, fix that relationship, try and mend things there because, you know, we know that Deshaun doesn't want to be there. They've got new management in their same ownership, but new management and maybe they feel like they could repair things there. You never want to trade a franchise quarterback, you know, who's in his prime young in his twenties, you know uh, you don't want to do that, but I think the draft makes a lot of sense in terms of a drop dead uh, time there where the Broncos can head into that period where either they get a guy like Watson or they draft a guy, but regardless on the other side of the draft, we're going to know who the quarterback is for the Broncos next season. Yeah, and that's a good time because you haven't really started, whether it's in person or, or not, the OTA portion of the offseason. So you can still – you should know who your starter is going into that and then training camp. Phil, um, so my personal philosophy, at least right now, is that if you can't get a guy like Deshaun Watson, and I think it's worth sending a lot of capital to get him just because of his talent um, – then unless you love one of these top four quarterbacks that could be available at nine or, you know, maybe you go up to five and get somebody, unless you love one of those guys, I, I know people don't want to hear this. They're over Drew Locke, but I think it's perfectly reasonable to go into this season with Drew, see what happens, let George Payton get an, a longer evaluation of the entire roster of where the quarterbacks are and go into next off season with, kind of a a decision one way or another about what you're going to do. But I do think that for all the turnovers Drew had, um, there were still some bright spots enough so that you're not just like 
this guy can never be even a competent starting quarterback. I don't think you're at that point for me with Drew. It's more how good can he get? You know, can he be a top five, top 10 quarterback? And I think um, the jury's still very much out on that. We don't know if he can do that. But I do think you can see flashes of, because we saw it there toward the end of the year, if you avoid interceptions, if you avoid the fumbles, he can at least be a very competent quarterback. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, I think that uh, I agree with that analysis there. I mean, this is just such a weird situation in the NFL where so many quarterbacks are like available too. like rarely do uh, do we head into an offseason where so many starters around the NFL have been connected to being on the move. Like their names have been out there, you know, um, like guys like Wentz, Trubisky, you know, uh, Sam Darnold. There's just so many guys who are being Garoppolo. Garoppolo. Um, so many guys are just being rumored out there to being on the move that uh, it's really a bizarre situation in my mind. To me, everybody's going to try and get went, uh, Watson if they can. So maybe uh, after the Watson decision gets made, whether or not he's definitely staying in Houston or if he's going to be on the move, maybe that'll be the first domino to fall and then everything else will sort of settle. But if I'm hearing you right, you're saying it makes sense to go after a player like Watson. But um, if you're talking about a Garoppolo or a, a Wentz or a Darnold, maybe the Broncos are better just staying put and seeing what they have with Drew Locke than giving up draft capital, giving up actual players to see what that type of player can do. Yeah. I think in that situation where Watson either goes somewhere else or does not come or stays in Houston, to me, it's more appealing to get an Andy Dalton or a Mitchell Trubisky in free agency and sign him to, you know, some sort of probably not the vet minimum, but a few million dollars here where, you know, in a short-term deal where you're not hurting yourself, if you get into the first part of the season and Drew Locke is not playing well, you have somebody to turn to where you're not all of a sudden, you're not forfeiting the entire year. Um, but at the same time, you're not, you're not hurting yourself in future seasons because you're, you're, you feel like you have to get a guy this year. I mean, I know the, the Colts have been rumored to have offered two second round picks for Carson Wentz. I don't even know that I would do that sort of deal for a player of a Wentz or Darnold's caliber. Um, for me, it's really, if you're going to go get Watson, go get him. And I think you can survive the loss of two or three first round picks and then a a quality defensive player. Um, just because I think that offense truly would score 30 plus a game and you would be in every game and it'd be exciting. But, but outside of him, Phil, I'm kind of of the, let's just be patient and let's not be, and that's where I think George Payton, that's he's going to be in on the deal. They'll be aggressive if they have to, if, if Houston says, and we're kind of spitball on here, but if, if Houston says we want this to be the offer and George Payton feels like it's reasonable, I think based on what he said, he'll pull the trigger. You know, if he decides that Deshaun Watson's that guy and who knows what his personal evaluation of Deshaun is. But if they say, Hey, we want five first round picks or somebody says we want a first rounder for, for Sam Darnold, he's not going to, he's not going to risk the future of the organization in one move that doesn't make sense. You got to be pretty sure you got to be a hundred percent, especially with a guy like Watson. You know, if you're talking about three first round picks and a quality defensive player, you've got to know that this is a slam dunk. 
I mean, you got to know that, okay, I don't have to worry about the offense for a long time. I think uh, a lot of people uh, in Denver are like, oh, this would be like when the Broncos got Peyton Manning, you know, like an instant fix, you know, but I'm not even so sure that if Watson came in, I'm not sure if this is a Super Bowl contending team the way it was when Peyton came in that first year, number one seed in the AFC, you know, uh, expected to win the Super Bowl that year. You know, I'm not sure if the Broncos are quite there, but I know this if they don't lose any of the weapons on the offensive side of the ball, they're going to be really good on that side. The other side becomes a major question mark on the defense there. But I do think that Watson is as close to a slam dunk as you're going to get on the offensive side. Yeah. And, you know, I think there is value to playing exciting football that gets the fans into it. Um, So I think you hope that based on what Vic Fangio did against the chiefs with a limited roster that he could, like muster up that defense, even with limited pieces, um, you'd have to figure something out. You'd hope that maybe some free agents are willing to take less money or choose to come to Denver and supplement the roster that way. If you don't have as many draft picks, but yeah, I mean, Deshaun Watson could come to Denver and fill You probably wouldn't be the favorite in your own division. And so, um, and it is worth noting that the Texans have not won more than 11 games with him in Houston. I think they've won one total playoff game. So yeah, it isn't, it isn't a Peyton Manning level swap, but I do think for a young player who's already shown so much, um, obviously great in the community, uh, he, he's the type of guy that could be the face of the franchise that Denver's been missing for a long time. Because Vaughn, Vaughn has been the face of the franchise, Phil, for, especially in the immediate aftermath. But it's just, it's different when, you're, when the face of your franchise is not a quarterback. It, it's just different. And it's different because of Vaughn's personality too. He's kind of a more playful kind of leader by example type of thing. When you're the quarterback and you're the one talking in the huddle and you're, you know, you're just sort of like dictating everything around you. um, You have that voice, you have that power. It is different when you are a quarterback. Um, that That is one of the positives with Watson that maybe it's not exactly like Manning coming in and saying, okay, for the next four years, we're going to be Super Bowl contenders. But you know that the window is much longer with Watson that you you would say, okay, uh, I'll probably for the next 10 years, we're going to have an opportunity here. So um, yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting. Uh, with regard to just Drew Locke, if, the, if he uh, does come back and is the guy, I think the one thing you're really excited about with him is that hopefully it's um, they can have more of an off season where they get to, you know, blend and build that chemistry as an offensive unit, get more familiar with Pat Shermer. He's in a, heading into his second season in this system. You know, you're hoping that those things are what make the big difference there. So um, physically, we know that Drew has all the tools. We know that he can make any throw on the field. He can scramble. He can buy extra time. You know, uh, we know that he's that fiery kind of uh, competitive guy that can help uh, lead a comeback victory in the fourth quarter. We know that he can do those things. Can he play at a high level consistently? I think that's a big question mark. And, you know, Uh, we're going to have to find out what these guys are thinking. You know, it's not just George Payton sitting down and watching tape. It's him talking with the coaching staff. It's him sitting down with Vic, him sitting down with Shermer talking about, okay, what happened here? What was the situation here? How are things, you know, going to be better next year? Those kind of discussions are being, um, you know, taking place right now. 
Yeah, the, the biggest thing for me with Drew that'll be interesting to see is, is how does he respond to this sort of challenge? You know, you were big Phil and potentially betting him for a couple of games and kind of seeing how that helped him in season. This is this is kind of like the next step up. You know, like he he can say this is he doesn't an off want to season benching. Is that what you're saying? In some ways, I mean, yeah. he can he can say that he doesn't want to read the press clippings or whatever these guys say, but like he knows that everyone in Denver right now, like fan wise is saying, go get Deshaun Watson. He knows that there were plenty of people that have changed their avatars and their Twitter names to trade for Matt Stafford. Like he knows that he's a smart guy. He's observant. These guys know what's going on because I mean, Phil, you see a guy like Garrett Bowles who posted the other day, the I'll hold you on Valentine's day. Like he saw that a year ago. He must've, and he remembered it and it probably fueled him, but I'll be interested to see how Drew responds to that. It's quite possible that puts a chip on his shoulder and it kind of reinvigorates him. Um, and then just one other thing with him, there's been all these reports that the team like dumbed down the playbook or dialed it back. Phil, I don't know what to, to make of those. They've mostly been from kind of, I don't want to say second tier R's, Phil, but it hasn't been from our pal Mike Kliss, for example, has now reported that we haven't seen an Ian Rappaport or, somebody of that nature or stature report that. So I don't, I don't know how true that is. We never got any sense from Vic Fangio or Pat Shermer during the year that they had to change what they were doing or, or, or anything about Drew needing to spend more time in the playbook. So I'm a little bit skeptical of those claims. Uh, Yeah. I had not even heard of those claims if I'm being honest with you. So uh, I would not say just having been around him, uh, we know that NFL films had him mic'd up uh, for that final game against the Raiders it did not seem like anything was dumbed down or, or simplified or, you know, it seemed like maybe um, you could say it's fair that heading into your first year in this system, maybe you try to just stick with what you're more comfortable with, but I, I wouldn't say that's like a, a dumbed down version of a Pat Shermer offense. Maybe it's just more of, I like these plays. Let's try and incorporate these in a little bit more. Let's do the touchdown plays if we could. I love touchdown plays, but yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to call those every play. Do you? Maybe some teams, some teams do that. Really? They can call more than like two or three of those in a game. Huh? I remember back in the day when the chiefs used to be good and they would throw a bunch of touchdown passes. I you probably don't uh, remember that because they've only played a couple games this year. And in one of them, they just scored nine points. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Kind of confusing. It's like, like that. It's a distant memory. The most I remember anybody calling a touchdown play for a quarterback was uh, when Pete Manning called seven of those plays uh, against the Ravens. Yeah, my personal That's the favorite. Most, I think the the touchdown play he called where he just threw it like to the side to Demarius Thomas, and then Demarius Thomas just ran seventy yards and was like, "I'll do the touchdown play." Yeah, it was like this could be both of our touchdown plays. Yeah. Exactly. That's probably about as easy of a touchdown as you'll ever get if you're Peyton Manning. That's true. The screenplay is an easy throw to make, but who knows all the crafting that went into setting that play up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, deep, deep, deep thoughts. You're not ready to just say it was an easy play. No, no, certainly not, certainly not. 
Uh, Eric, I know that uh, there's been so much talk about the quarterback position, but what about the rest of the offense? What about some of these young guys who are eager to uh, head into year number two, particularly at the tight end position, Eric? Uh, and I'm not talking about Noah Fant. Troy Fumagalli, happy birthday. It is Troy Fumagalli's birthday. Happy birthday there. Uh, I know that he's probably doing uh, something crazy in Wisconsin, probably. You know, yeah, uh, like throwing axes or something. Maybe he's, yeah, doing some like ice fishing or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, Phil, uh, people are very excited about Corlin Sutton coming back from injury. Yes. Talking about your duty in year two. But KJ Hamler. Okay. Let's not forget about KJ Hamler. Yeah. But Albert Okwebunam, the rookie from Missouri, also had a nice little impact in year one. He'll be coming back off an ACL injury. I talked to him, Phil, about his rehab, what he's looking to do next year, and that game against the Chargers. All right, Albert, appreciate you taking some time here. Good to talk with you uh, as we get going in the offseason. How are things going so far? They're going great. You know, rehab has been, you know, a, a great process for me. Had that great start and, you know, no real uh, – no real problems with, with rehab. It's been pretty smooth, so just getting better every day. Let's let's go back to the injury for a minute because you were having a really good rookie season. I'm sure it was difficult to have it cut short all of a sudden there in Atlanta. What was going through your head in that moment and then in the days after the injury? Yeah, it was unfortunate just because I, I, I really felt myself improving every week. But, um, you know, I'm a super positive person, so, you know, as soon as it happened, I just – was super forward thinking and just thinking about, you know, what are the positives I can take from this and, and how can I move forward? And, you know, that was just kind of reflecting on, on my rookie season and just um, I feel like a big takeaway from it was just the confidence that I instilled in myself that, you know, I have the ability to be a playmaker in this league. And and um, I think that was like the silver lining. And, and from that point on, it was just how can I get better? Um, and that was from day one, you know, coming in the day after and, and just started the rehab rehab process immediately. So yeah, yeah. How did the surgery go, and what's the rehab process been like? Kind of what stage are you at? I guess. Um, it's been it's been really good. Um, surgery surgery was fine. It was, that was my first surgery ever, so I was kind of nervous about that. But that was super smooth. It was good. And then um, after the, and then after that, yeah, I just started the, the actual rehab process with our guys here, at the Broncos, and then. Um, so now I'm at about, uh, I'm almost at 12 weeks, about like 11 and a half. And, um, so right now I'm at the process of, I'm just getting started to run again, like on, on the treadmill and the alter G and then hopefully next week I'll be able to actually, uh, do some actual jogging. Uh, Cortland's I think a few weeks ahead of you in the rehab process, probably based on when he tore his, but what has it been like to, <clears throat> to have an older guy like that around to kind of set the example uh, that you need to follow here during the rehab process. It's it's been great. Cortland's been awesome. I think that's going to be huge for for me and him. Just uh, another guy, another young guys too that uh, that have the same injury. Just because you know he does a really good job of just bringing energy into the into the training room every day, and just the the fact that he's a couple weeks ahead of me, I can use him, him as a reference. I'm like, is, I'm feeling this. Is that normal? Or uh, when you when you dealt with this, how did you? Uh, you know, overcome that. So it, it, he's been really great. I couldn't ask for a better, you know, older guy that uh, to help the process for sure. Do you have an, a timetable yet? I know it's still early, but 
of when you hope to be back, whether that's uh, late in OTAs or training camp or, or whenever that might be? I mean, the, the standardized time to really come back and, and start doing, like, uh, return your – to integrate back in your sport is six months. But, um, you know, just kind of the plan is, is not to rush anything and use the full – I think it's, like, eight months to, to training camp. But, yeah, I should be back in training camp with no issues. I want to look back now at your rookie season. Um, I guess starting with that performance against the Chargers when I think you had one, just one official catch, but you had a couple of really crucial – pass interference calls that you drew what did that game prove to you about what you could do and what you can be in this league um that, that was a really big game I like to look back at just because you know I was in there when it was crunch time and you know there was a lot of pressure you know on that last drive and you know just being able to be a part of that and you know have a direct impact on that game and that victory you know feels really good um and um so when I look back at that game that's kind of the takeaways I take from that was that also big for you in that a few weeks earlier at New England, you had some opportunities and you made the most of a lot of them, but also had a couple maybe that got away. So to be able to kind of rebound from that, was that also big in your eyes? Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I left a couple out there in New England and that really, that really messed with me a lot. But, um, you know, like I said, I'm a super forward thinker. So, you know, I just said, you know, how can I make this better? And that was by, you know, never dropping another ball that came my way and just making sure that any any ball was thrown at me was mine. And I, I think I did a pretty good job of that. I don't think I had uh, um, any more drops to, uh, the rest of my games and had a pretty good target to catch rate ratio. So um, and that's, that's a big thing for me, too, is just controlling what you can control, and that's just making the most out of your targets. So um, I feel like I did a pretty good job coming back from, from those mistakes. And like I said, I was improving every week. So, you know, it, it sucks that I got injured, but, you know, just, just making the best out of it. What was the most valuable thing you think you learned last season, whether that was, you know, day to, day by day during the season or, or something that you saw when you look back at your film from last year? Um, the, so you're asking the what's the biggest things I learned? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'd say like the biggest things I learned from you know, when I first got here um, with the team was just, you know, just the fluidity of the offense, I feel like that was, that was really big. Just being comfortable in the huddle, you know, things happening quicker, things slowing, uh, like comprehending things quicker and letting the, letting the game slow down a little bit. I feel like that was a, a big improvement, as well as just learning, you know, um, how to be a complete pro, you know, just just having the right uh, having the right um, you know, practice habits, you know, how to practice like a pro correctly, um, you know, being consistent. I feel like those are the biggest strides that I made my rookie season for sure. Are there areas where you think you can still continue to grow? Yes, of course. You know, there's there's never um, you know, there's there's never enough that where you can improve, and you know, I feel like that's just kind of all areas of my game. You know, I improved a lot in the run game and blocking last season. I was blocking pretty well, but there's always area, areas for improvement there. Um, you know, being having consistent hands, you know, being better with small details in the route game, you know, understanding defenses for sure. Just, you know, just little little areas in all of my game. Uh, I'm looking forward to improving. I think one of the things that excited fans most was you and Noah on the field at the same time, which we saw a little bit. And then just kind of the the mismatch the team had when they could alternate between you guys. What sort of tandem, what sort of duo do you think you guys can be moving forward? Yeah, I mean, it's huge, you know, with, with me on the field, you know, we both create so many mismatch problems. And, um, you know, I really look forward to, to that, you know, in the future, you know, just being out there together and just, you know, giving defenses a hard time. 
you know, I feel like we definitely have the ability to be a real force and a, a real strong duo in this league for sure. And then last one for you, Albert. We've seen your chemistry with Drew Locke. Obviously, you guys have known each other for years now. Um, yeah. Lots of speculation around the quarterback position. Kind of how closely are you paying attention to what's going on there? I mean, I'm, I'm not I'm not real close in the media. You know, I've, I've talked to Drew. You know, we hang out and stuff. You know, obviously off the field just because we're so close. But, you know, really the main focus is just, you know, uh, you know him being my quarterback. You know, the, you know that hasn't changed. And, you know, that's that's just how I treat That's how I treat him. That's how I prepare. Um, you know, he's got the same mindset. You know, he doesn't pay attention to the noise. He's just, you know, this whole offseason, he's been dedicating himself to improving, um, you know, in the film room and, you know, at every area. So that's just kind of the way I've approached it and kind of uh, seen the whole situation. Well, Albert, we appreciate your time, and we uh, look forward to seeing you back out there this fall. Thank you very much. My thanks to Albert Okawebunam for spending some time with us uh, here on the neutral zone. Phil, uh, always like to hear, I think, about the possibility of Noah Fant and Albert O on the field at the same time. That gets you fired up. First of all, let me just say great interview, Eric. Really enjoyed your questions, and I thought that Albert O was really insightful there. So, uh, yeah, nice. Really interesting. Interesting to me that he said Cortland Sutton is setting the example for his ACL rehab. Kind of maybe an unexpected question. Maybe you didn't think I would ask that, but as an R Phil, you got to think of, you got to turn over every stone. This is why people listen to the neutral zone because a couple of R's like us were, we're getting information that no one else has even thought of. Yeah. Let me try that again though. Cause I, I could understand how that could have made it seem like I think too much of myself. Um, that was just an average question, Phil, and anybody could have asked it, and I just happened to ask it. Tone it down. Like it. Tone it down. Yeah. Yeah. Tone it down. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, uh, I think that it's nice to have a guy like Cortland Sutton who brings that energy every day to be able to have that leadership in the rehab room, I think is really important. And even on social media, I know that there's a whiteboard up in uh, the rehab room there that's got like a quote of the day. And Cortland Sutton posts that often. And it's just something that's like sort of designed to get your juices flowing a little bit and get you excited about, uh, you know, attacking a rehab process that might be a little bit monotonous. Yeah, that gets you fired up. You know, you're like ready to make some eggs back there for breakfast. You got to water the plants. You got to take the trash out. And he, he's got the whiteboard that's like, don't take a single breath for granted. Exactly. And you're like, I got to crack this egg perfectly or else today is just useless. You know that crafting a, a perfect omelet is pretty difficult, Eric. Yeah. That's not the, an easy task. One of the early seasons of Top Chef, Phil, the, the first challenge was just make an omelet. And a lot of people did not do a nice job. Yeah. My personal favorite chef is Jacques Pepin, Eric. And he makes a perfect omelet. So you learn from the best. You know what I mean? You want it to be a little bit creamy. You do want it to be creamy. Um, Smallest possible curds, in my opinion, for a French Mm. omelet. Yes. Yeah. That's what I like. So that's what I'm whipping up right back over there. Right back over there, Eric. I can smell it, I think. Yeah, not right now. (laughs) Eric, let's uh, talk a little bit about Von Miller. We talked about him a little bit uh, previously here on the show. Um, His future in Denver, a little bit up in the air. 
Broncos have a team option on his deal. And it seems like uh, based off of his production the last couple of years and plus the injury that it's the Broncos might be thinking about ways to restructure that a little bit if they want to keep him or if not just completely moving on from uh, Von Miller there, which is probably something that might be tough to swallow for fans. Yeah. So for people who haven't been following too closely that when the Broncos negotiated Vaughn's contract for the last two years were both team options. And so they picked it up last year, which meant he was under contract for last year. They have to pick it up again this year. The window is open, but they've got to do it by mid March. If they do that, he'll be under contract for a final season. He will be an unrestricted free agent in 2022. Um, But yeah, you've, you've got to decide based on, like you said, his production, which in 2019 was just eight sacks and kind of took a step backwards there, even though he did kind of keep up the pressures that we're used to. He didn't have a forced fumble for the first season in his career. And then last year, of course, we all set for this big resurgence. I think everybody expected the best from him, thought he was going to have a monster season, hurts an ankle the week before the first game and and obviously doesn't play all season. Um, Phil, this is tough because the options are you don't pick up the team option. He becomes an unrestricted free agent. You restructure, you do pick up the option or you renegotiate a contract. And so in that situation, maybe you sign him to a three-year extension or something that like it pushes the cap hit out over the next few years. Um, I, I don't know. I couldn't give you a percentage chance that each one of those happens, but I do think there's a decent, decent shot, Phil, that, that Vaughn isn't back and that people have to kind of cope with that. And there's so many great memories. And I think we'll talk more about that if, and when that happens. But um, Phil, I think the biggest sign that something could happen is that a year ago in the final press conference, John Elway just came out and said, we're picking up Vaughn's option, even after he had kind of a down year. This year, there's been no, this year there's been no indication other than Elway saying, we hope Vaughn finishes career here. There's been no sort of public sentiment that we're picking up this option. It's just, it's still up in the air very much. Yeah. And, you know, um, you saw the Texans move on from J.J. Watt. Obviously, uh, Watt and Vaughn came into the league the same year. So a very similar situation there where it's a beloved franchise figure. They decided to move on from him. Um, the same could be happening here uh, with, in Denver with Von Miller. I think that what's interesting to me is if the Broncos want to be super aggressive and go out and get a player like Watson, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me, Eric, to say, let's bring in Deshaun Watson and like, let's make a push here to be really good next year. Oh yeah. And let's get rid of Von Miller. You know, I, I don't know if that quite makes sense to me. If you're like, you know, trying to make a push, usually you want to try and keep your best players uh, if you're trying to make a push like that. So um, maybe those two things are somehow linked together there. Um, I will say, I hope that um, if they do want to keep him and that's their intention, I hope they are able to figure out some sort of happy middle ground there in terms of a price for a contract just because I don't think that uh, they're, I don't think the plan was ever to really pick up the team option in in my opinion. I don't know that for sure, but I just think that the amount that he was scheduled to make next year probably doesn't make sense for the, 
for the Broncos to just full full on pick that up. So I think that, you know, the idea of them not picking up the team option seems like a big deal to everybody, but it's maybe not quite as big a deal as uh, everybody expects because I don't think that was ever really part of the plan. I think you're either talking about renegotiating a one-year deal for Vaughn. You're talking about restructuring the deal where it's like maybe now three years uh, or you're talking about completely moving on. Uh, I would be surprised if the plan was ever to just full on pick up the team option as it's currently structured. Well, I think in terms of ever, we're, we're talking about based on last year, I think if he had yes. been healthy last yes. year and come out and had 15 sacks, you pick the option up in a, in a second or you, or you renegotiate a, a deal, but you're not talking about a, a, a straight restructure, but yes, I agree with you. I think, if the plan was to pick up the option as it is, you probably have already made, you probably would have already announced that or, or said that somewhere. Um, you're right in that it probably now is either a restructure moving on or a contract extension. Um, I don't know if I agree with you. I mean, I understand kind of the sentiment there of if you're going to get, if you're trying to get a guy like Deshaun Watson, you want a guy like Von Miller, but I don't view, I think that that's almost more true if you were trying to get Matt Stafford because Matt Stafford's window is smaller, he's kind of coming to the end of his career. I think Deshaun Watson extends your window to the point where you just want to build a good core. And if you can afford to, with the salary you save, get a couple good defensive pieces, maybe that's the the better plan there. Um, and also the, the timelines just don't necessarily add up, you know, like you've got to, whether it is a, a restructure and extension or picking up the option, that decision has to be made by March, I think March 13th is the deadline to pick up the op and then tampering starts, legal tampering starts March 15th. If you haven't done any of those three things though, by that point, Vaughn starts getting calls from other teams. And so if Deshaun's not traded until April or whenever it is that we're, we're speculating about, those decisions have to be made independent of one another. Well, it could be you've already begun discussions with the Texans on trying to figure out something and then uh, if you feel like, okay, this is a legitimate possibility, then you're like, okay, let's try and figure out something with Vaughn. But yes, the cutoff deadlines are one month apart, essentially, maybe a month and a half apart. So that's what makes it a tough decision. I will say this, Eric, I've, Vaughn is going to be heading into his 11th season in the NFL, missed all of his 10th season. So technically it's a little bit different, but this would be his 11th season in the NFL to me, he's not going to be at that peak, peak level, but he should still have five years of, you know, decent production here where, you know, you, you talk about windows with Deshaun Watson. I think that the end of Vaughn's career could align up with a window here where you're thinking a couple of years from now, this team could be really, really good. Yeah. I mean, I think sooner or later, and we might even be there already, you're going to get to what DeMarcus Ware was in Denver, where you might have a season with 10 sacks still. You might have a game like DeMarcus against the Panthers or DeMarcus against the Cowboys where he's really – not the Cowboys, the, the Packers, where he's really effective. And he looks like DeMarcus Ware of the early 2000s. And I think you could you could still see that from Vaughn. I think certainly over the next couple of years that's possible. I think he would be a good – you know, bridge to any new rushers you bring in. But I do think that 
the odds that Vaughn is going to go out and be defensive player of the year or have 18 sacks again, I think those odds are like get even more uh, like those go down every year, obviously. And I think last year might've been his, his last best shot at accomplishing something like that. So Hmm. that's not to say it couldn't happen, but I just think once you get over 30, the, the odds of having one of those truly monster years goes down and, and you're more of a, you know, could Vaughn and Chubb still form a really good pass rush tandem? Absolutely. But I don't know that Vaughn is going to go out there and be as dominant as he was in like 2016 when he almost won defensive player of the year. Yeah. That's, I mean, I just, I, I don't know if he's going to have his peak peak year, but I'll say Vaughn's style of play, I think could still lead itself to a big year from him. Maybe, maybe you're not talking about peak Vaughn Miller, but I think you're talking about a guy who could still have that burst off the line. He's not like JJ Watt or even maybe DeMarcus Ware, where he's that bigger, more physical type of guy. He's just trying to beat guys off the line. And while yes, he's definitely going to slow down. He's not going to have that same kind of just crazy intense jump, but I still think he could be part of a Super Bowl winning defense and play a major role. That that uh, that's where I think I I almost hundred percent disagree there. I think that a guy like a Demarcus Ware, um, uh, Reggie White, uh, one of these guys that you know Bruce Smith, <laughs> yeah, the, the physicality. I think Stays. lasts. Yeah, it lasts longer than the speed. I mean, I think already even you see Vaughn is his jump is not quite as fast as it was in 2015 or 16. I think the what makes Vaughn so good is the and granted he looked really good in training camp, so we'll have to yeah, see how it comes say. back. From injury, but but based on 2019, it, it wasn't quite there, and he did battle a knee injury that year. To be fair to him, but like he's so good because he gets off the line and then he bends in his flexibility. I wonder if some of that goes away with age, whereas somebody like Bruce Smith is just knocking you out of his way to go get the quarterback. It's possible. I I was saying more of like um, he's less likely to continue to face injuries the same way. Although they have mounted a little bit here, like you mentioned the knee injury. And then of course uh, uh, his ankle this year. So um I don't know. I just sort of felt like when you're trying to beat guys off the edge like that, you're less likely to just have these things where like DeMarcus Ware is like battling a bad back the entire season. You would think maybe just a pure, you know, finesse kind of around the edge type of guy wouldn't have to face quite as many, but uh, uh, Vaughn has been battling some of those things. So maybe, maybe and if your body is even a split second slower to respond or you're a split second slower off the line, it could be the difference between getting there or not, you know, getting a forced fumble or the ball getting out of the quarterback's hands. So, but his I mean, jump what, what, was so freakish. I mean, it was yeah. like, it was a, a sort of supernatural that like, even right. if he takes a little bit of a step down, he's still going to be beating most well, guys off the line. I don't think he's going to become a, a three sack a year guy, but I just, I wonder if his top, top level days are behind him. And part of that fill is what the Broncos are probably discussing right now. What can we expect from Vaughn? What, what level of play? Cause even a guy like JJ Wattfill has taken a step back in the last couple of years and he's battled more injuries than, you know, maybe any of these guys. So his yeah. situation is a little bit different, but um, I mean, Patrick Peterson's getting older. It, it, 
it's crazy how fast these years go by because it, it just, it does seem like just yesterday when he signed that extension and it was like Vaughn's best years are ahead of him. He's going to be in a, like getting the Broncos back to the Super Bowl. He talked about winning another one and the Broncos haven't been back to the playoffs since then. And so hasn't quite worked out, even though he has still been dominant over certain stretches. I just, uh, you know, there's a nostalgia part of it, Eric, where you just hope that these guys could just stay in one uniform for their entire career. You even heard Peyton Manning bring that up uh, after the Hall of Fame where, hey, his goal was to play for one team his entire career. That didn't work out there. It doesn't work out for most people. Most of the time, you're faced with this exact situation where there was an injury or something happened where your production isn't quite as high. You, the team wants you to think about taking less money. The player still thinks that they could still perform at a high level and you end up going in different directions, but I mean, it's sad. Look at it's sad. It is. I mean, Reggie White, uh, DeMarcus Ware, Bruce Smith, all those guys play for multiple teams. Joe Montana. I mean, a lot of uh, uh, other positions. I was going with defensive guys, but yeah. All, all these different positions. Steve Atwater played his final season with the Jets. That never happened. I mean, it's just crazy. You know, is is Vaughn the best defensive player in team history? Yeah, I, I do think so. I mean, there have been a lot of really great defenders who've played for the Broncos over the years, but – when Vaughn was on in that 2015 playoff stretch, uh, th- he was unstoppable. You know what I mean? And I'm not sure if there's been a guy who's – Champ Bailey is close to that, if you ask me, just because he he was at that similar level where you just couldn't do anything to get him off his game. Um, Champ was like that. Um, I think it would have to be between those two guys. I yeah, say. I think maybe – I think maybe like Steve and Randy Gradish are then at kind of that next tier. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yes, I mean, you're talking about in champ and probably Vaughn. So I, th- I would think that like if Vaughn's, if Vaughn never played again, I don't know if he'd be a first ballot hall of famer. He'll, he'll make the hall of fame. I don't know if he'd be first ballot if his, if he never had another snap, I think, by I think yeah. he'll play a few more years and, so if he gets to 130 or 135 or whatever, and because he's at 106 right now in career sacks, uh, he'll end up a, a first ballot guy. But that's what you're talking about is Champ's a first ballot guy. Vaughn could be a first ballot guy. Vaughn just, I think, has a little bit more work to do in his career before he's a shoe in first ballot. Yeah. Well, I wonder if you were to ask Champ Bailey, though, hey, if you could ha- uh, trade in your first ballot and maybe you had to wait a few years, but you were – Super Bowl MVP, he would take that. Do you know what I mean? So I think that right. um, Vaughn can be both. Vaughn doesn't have to. That's choose. what I'm saying. When we're talking about who's the best, Vaughn won a Super Bowl here in Denver. Champ well, never did that. So yeah, but I that doesn't. That you, have to, you have to. You have to that weigh that in. Who the best player is? Vaughn was won a Super Bowl for the franchise. Right, but your your point about like Champ trading like. You could be like Champ. Would you want to trade places with Shaquille Barrett, who also won a Super Bowl at Denver? Like, he Champ might do anything to get a Super Bowl ring. 
Yes, but I'm saying you're bringing up the fact that, hey, if Vaughn wants to be considered the best player in franchise history, he sort of needs to be a first ballot guy because Champ was a first ballot. I didn't say that. I that said was sort of your argument, right? I was just saying the debate is between two guys who will probably both be first ballot Hall of Famers. Oh, I just said Vaughn's okay. first ballot Hall of Fame status is not like assured yet. Yes, agreed. Vaughn is a, Vaughn is a player in his career in Denver, like – we can discuss that whether or not he's won a Super Bowl or not, like he's, or whether he's a first ballot Hall of Famer or he waits 10 years or whatever. I mean, he's, he played at such a high level. That's why he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I see. Got it. I'm I thought you were saying way. maybe he's not the best player because in order to do that, you got to be a first ballot guy. I thought no. that was sort of the argument. I'm there. saying the level of competition to be the Broncos' best defensive player is between two guys who are first ballot. Yeah. yeah. The same with for the best offensive player in team history. It's between two guys who are first ballot and John Elway and Peyton Manning. Yeah, but but that's not even really a, a question because John Elway played his entire career for Denver. I, I mean, I don't think you could compare those two. The four years here in Denver compared to John Elway's entire career, you can't compare those two. Okay, I won't try. Let's move on. You shouldn't try. Yeah. Mamano or whatever your name is. <laughs> yeah. Yes. John Elway is 100% without any question, the greatest offensive player in franchise history. Don't even, that door has been cemented shut. <laughs> Eric. Wow. You're quick to uh, the, rule out Lloyd Cushenberry the third. The question between Vaughn and Champ, there's some wiggle room there because Champ is already definitely, I mean, he's already a first ballot Hall of Famer, but didn't win a Super Bowl. Bond won a Super Bowl. His first ballot-ness is in question. So so now you're making the argument that he needs to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. To- I'm saying that could be the argument. That could be the argument between them. One guy is a first ballot Hall of Famer. If Vaughn ends up being, you know, it's his third time around or fourth or whatever, then you could say, well, maybe those are two different kind of players. But I would say Va- that Va- winning probably, a Super Bowl. Vaughn probably does need 25 more sacks to, to be a first ballot guy. Yes. I don't think that he could stop playing football now and be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And so depending on how things go, that's, that could be four more years of three or four more years of like decent production. And in my so, opinion, I think that Vaughn could play another five years, in my opinion, at a pretty high level. But I, I would, if I were to just guess, I would guess there's probably two 10 sack seasons left, like right around nine, 10, 11. Yes. Maybe like a seven or eight sack season and then a couple of five sack seasons. And I think, yes. And I think the decline, it'll, you know, Vaughn for as impressive as he is, like time comes for everybody. And I think we don't Except know. Except Tom Brady. <laughs> That's right. Doesn't yeah. He will, might not be a first ballot Hall of Famer because he might not ever stop playing long That's enough true. to have the clock start. That's true. That's very possible. Is Tom Brady, is Tom Brady the greatest quarterback in Buccaneers history already? Ooh, Probably. Good question. Good question. Probably. It's like between him and Brad Johnson. Yeah. I'm trying to think about who, who else came through there. Trent Dilfer played a little there. Steve Young played a little bit there. Uh, Famous Jameis. Jameis Winston played a little bit there. That's a good question, Eric. I'm not sure. You can, uh, 
maybe check with our old pal Mace. Yes, so you think? he would know. He would know for sure. Yeah, it's po- it's possible. <laughs> it's possible, Eric. But I do think that if Vaughn were to come back playing alongside Bradley Chubb, if the offense gets a little bit better and the opposing offense is in more passing situations, the right scenario and Vaughn's numbers could really uh, take off here. So, yeah, I mean, you, you saw what they did together the one year they played together. He had, I think, 14 and a half that season. He played well. Um, that final year with Vance, you mean? The first year that Bradley and Vaughn played together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they played well. Which would have been 2018, right? Yeah. Yeah. Bradley had 12 and Vaughn had 14 and a half. Yeah. So. And that, I think, is maybe you could see that again if they're together. Yeah. Because that think- team didn't play with – that team did not play with a lot of leads. Yeah. So maybe even higher if the if the offense is better. Yeah. So. Maybe 30. He once suggested that. He did once suggest that, yeah. But he can't be eating mozzarella sticks, you know, no. if he wants to do that. Eric, let's get to our final segment here. You know, uh, uh, we saw Adam Sandler, Shooter McGavin, have some fun on social media for the 25th anniversary of Happy Gilmore. I personally yeah. love that. I love seeing that, that those guys are still having fun with Happy Gilmore. But it made me wonder, okay, football-wise, what are some of the best football movies of all time? Something we haven't really discussed here on the show, and it's the off-season, Eric, so why not? Let's, uh, let's dive in. Yeah, you can go first. With my, with my favorite football movie? Yeah. Okay. I think there's a couple of different categories here. If, if uh, you're asking, here we go. yeah, yeah. You get one yep. choice and then I get to make a choice. Okay. Um, uh, if I were to just say my favorite overall football movie, I'd probably have to say, remember the Titans. Oh, okay. But my favorite funny football movie is the water boy. Oh, okay. You didn't choose mine anyway. So that's fine. Okay. What's yours? Well, well, are you going to talk about like why you enjoy them or what other ones you considered or anything? Right. Should um, we save the, that? The other one that I considered was uh, All the Right Moves, which is a little bit of an older one, but that's a um, Tom Cruise, you know, growing up in a, in a Pennsylvania town, much like what I would imagine where Vic Fangio grew up, something like that, where, you know, mm. the local high school football team, it was a big deal Friday nights. And you're a pretty good player on one of those teams. You're hoping to get a scholarship. Uh, I like all the right moves. That's a that's an old one that you don't hear too much about. Tom Cruise. Um, I would say that Remember the Titans though creates that feeling of like this is what football camaraderie. This is like sort of teams coming together, you know, trying to win it. You know, to face some adversity, you overcome that. The storyline's good. The acting is good. Denzel Washington. I think it's got all the right combinations of of what you want in a football movie. Um, so I would say remember the Titans. I think that's fair. Um, remember the Titans is definitely a great movie. One that you can watch again and again and again. Um, if I, I were really to guess Friday yours, that's what I was going to say. That's, you're, you're a Friday well, night lights kind of guy. I, I am. It's a, a great film, but not my favorite. I'm just saying one that I heavily considered um, both the show and the movie are so good in different ways. Uh, 
really, really impressive. Um, so the, the best football movie, I don't know if you um, even consider this a football movie, but Jerry Maguire is the best football movie. Show me the money. Exactly. We've, we've seen a meme or two get played around these parts with yes. the show me the money before. Yes. But I maintain that Jerry Maguire is a football movie that has some elements of romance, fatherhood, personal struggle. Got it's, it. a, it's a football movie. So you're one of those people who think that like, if there's a little bit of football in it, then it's a football movie. It's not a little bit of football. It's all about football. He's a football okay. agent. Yeah. But it's not really about Sugar. a football player or a football team. That's not the, the central. thing is about Rod Kidwell. He, I believe, won uh, Best Supporting Actor for that, right? Supporting. Cuba Gooding Jr.? Yes. Not uh-huh. main actor. He was not the lead, not in a lead role. Got Do you it. see what I'm saying? It's Did kind Denzel of like... Washington win something for Remember the Titans? I don't think so, no. But it was about, the whole movie was about a football team, you know? But I will, I'll give you it. I'll, I'll give you it. Of course, Lee Steinberg, is the agent that it's loosely based off of uh, famously the agent of Patrick Mahomes and also Paxton Lynch. There we go. Yes, that is correct. Yeah. So, um, well, I thought maybe you could have gone with Rudy, Eric. Uh, Could have gone with Rudy. Rudy is a good one. That's like a Uh, classic one. Um, Any any given given Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. Al Pacino, you got to love that. You know, you got to love that. Inches we need are everywhere around us. <laughs> um, Brian's song is a, is a classic oh, one. Oh, that's it's a, a sad one. Yes. That came out so probably when you were in your mid-50s. Yeah, that, a lot of people say like back in the day, that, yeah. that was like my day. <laughs> um, the Replacements is funny. Kind mm-hmm. of a um, hit him so hard his girlfriend dies, kill everyone. Yeah. Plus Keanu I don't know if that line I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) What about uh, Longest Yard? Longest Yard is pretty good. Uh, Are you talking about the Burt Reynolds version or the Adam Sandler version? No, I've I've seen the Burt Reynolds version. I like that one. Yeah, that's good. Bad News Bears, not a football movie, but kind of similar. Similar vibe. Yeah, Yeah. similar vibe. Um, Waterboy to me is uh, sort of underrated how funny that movie is. But is that about, I think you make the same argument with Waterboy that you do about Jerry Maguire. That that's not about entirely about football. That's about his mama. <laughs> and his Medulla Oblongata. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of course, we know why uh, crocodiles are so angry. They got all them teeth, but no toothbrush. You know, those are funny lines, Eric. It's a funny movie. It is. So that's, that's why, to me, I think there are categories where you could say, you know, football is like the main thing where you're talking about the team overcoming adversity or a particular player overcoming something and getting it done. And there's a good feeling at the end. Or there's the other sort of category where it's loosely based around football where you, you know, it, it's what's driving the plot, but there's other bits to it that make it a great movie. Those are the so two what about categories. like a, what about a little giants? That was that's a good one. Really good one. I believe that's Deontay Spencer's favorite uh, football movie. Is it? Yeah, he loves the little giants. 
What about the Blind Side, Eric? That's blind pretty, Side's pretty, pretty good. good. Book is better. Um, just some other ones here. Uh, Draft Day with Kevin Costner. Surprise, that's not your favorite. That is um, my favorite. North Dallas 40. That's kind of a famous one. Varsity Blues, another famous Varsity football Blues. movie. We Are Marshals. We Are Marshals. That's another emotional tug about, at the heartstrings. Um, the Ex- Ernie, the Express story. What's that one called? I don't think I've seen that one. Oh. Express story. Oh. Mm. Express Ernie Davis. It's about the um, mm. yeah his battle against, I believe, cancer as well. Oh, kind of a mm. kind of a modern day Brian song. Got it. Got it. Most people say Rudy. Like that's like sort of a consensus number one, but. What did, you th- what did you think about Invincible? You like that one? I don't think I've actually seen that one either. Invincible Bali, Mark Wahlberg. I haven't seen it. Yeah. Good soundtrack. Is it? Yeah. It's got a good one, huh? Some good, like, 70s rock. Soundtrack is important to me. Yeah. You right. remember, it helps you remember the feeling. Yeah. Like in Jerry Maguire, good soundtrack. Yeah. You do you think like um, Batman? That's probably a football movie, right? Where they kick the ball off, there's explosions. <laughs> oh, in the Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah. Bane I mean, is there. That might be a better football movie than Jerry Maguire, if we're counting. That <laughs> see, yeah, see. So yeah. Plus, you got the think, Hans Zimmer soundtrack. Could you? Could you? Did you tell the story of Jerry Maguire without football? I don't think so. I don't think it makes any sense. Mm. Well, you could easily have swapped out like Titanic, a movie about a boat or no. Yes. It's named after the boat. (laughs) Jerry Maguire is named after the sports agent. Yeah. You could you could have made that exact same movie except swapped out football player for basketball player or you baseball for, player. You could do that for Remember the Titans too. That's not a good argument at all. There's something special about football, Eric, that you brings the people, the team together. Did you ever watch Glory Road, the basketball movie that's very similar? Glory Road. I feel like I have. I think it's about Who's the... I don't know. It's about the first um, all African American starting five in Division One. Oh, oh, got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's just a different feel to basketball movies than football movies, if you ask me. Hoosiers, One different feel. Gym, yeah. Different feel. You know what I mean? Hoosiers and Friday Night Lights are basically the same movie, except Friday Night Lights is more inappropriate. Wow. Okay. <laughs> That's a hot take right there. Mike Winchell and Jimmy Chitwood are best, basically the same person. <laughs> Pick a fence. Huh? You got any of those in football? No. No. Eric, let's uh, get to our shout outs and wrap this bad boy up. Uh, anybody you'd like to particularly highlight this week? Well, Phil, as we're recording this, it's Random Acts of Kindness Day. That's so true. it could be nice to be randomly kind to ben swanson for once just say whoa something nice like i really think it's smart how you 
take Polaroids that instantly develop instead of taking a photo on your cell phone that could take like seconds less to show up. I would say um, the cell phone shows up faster than the Polaroid because when you take the Polaroid, you got to shake it. It takes seconds less to show up. On a phone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't have that same graininess. If you're looking for some of the grain. And if you want to send it to somebody, you know, you get to go through the lovely process of like putting it in an envelope. You get to buy a stamp. I don't know where you even buy a stamp these days. I think you could buy one at our favorite place, uh, King Supers. Oh, it's good. Yeah. When next time you're picking up some coffee. Some Mesa Morning Blend. Yes. The gold packaging with the elephant on it. Pick up a stamp, mail a Polaroid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what I think would you take a Polaroid of. Hmm. Maybe like a selfie of me watching uh, Waterboy, Waterboy on the TV. Selfie with the with the Polaroid, and then I'd mail I would it be to like you. A nice, maybe I'm like looking at like a really nice cacti. Oh, yeah. Yep. Has like a, a, a flower has spread it. Yeah, fern. My fern. Yeah, my fern could be nice. Real fern. Yep. Those are all nice things. Yeah. Um, I will say also shout out to Liz Manis. I mean, I think it would be wrong if if we didn't do that. Wouldn't be very kind of us. Eric, I think that uh, instead of just Zooms, uh, she went out into the community with uh, George Payton, went, went down to a firehouse. I. Uh, Brought, I believe they brought some bagels. Yeah, wow. some breakfast. Some breakfast, yep. That's how um, you know that the world is returning to its rightful, you know, like things are getting back into motion. Things are getting better. Liz Man is back so. in a real, real community. Well, I was just going to say, then a little bit later on, Vic Fangio did a Zoom with some high school we're not, coaches. We're not all the way there yet. Yeah, we're not all the way, yeah. So shout out to Liz Manis, of course. So um, I think that might wrap up our show, Eric. I think so. It might. If yeah. uh, anybody wants to be a part of the neutral zone, there's uh, several ways that you could do that. You could call 707 neutral and leave a voicemail. We'll play your voicemail right here on the air. If you are a little bit shy, like Ben Swanson, and you'd rather type your words so you can thoughtfully craft your message. Uh, Eric, there's a way to do that too. That's right. Neutral zone show at gmail.com, Phil. Or if you're more the kind of person who likes to just in the moment react to what's happening, just leave a comment right here on the YouTube page if you're watching on YouTube. Also, smash that subscribe button. No free giveaways today, but... Uh, you could also uh, um, hit us up on Twitter if you want to just blast us. That's where a lot of blasting takes place, where somebody just That's hit, true. yeah, just goes on Twitter and just blasts. Uh, at Eric Delala with an A, at Phil Milani with a PH. Very non-traditional spellings there. So hmm. I think those are all the ways you can get in touch with the show. think so. Yeah. Uh, Eric, uh, thanks to you for getting Albert O., a nice interview there for Neutral Zone Nation. A chance to find out what's going on with his rehab. And uh, 
some of the excitement for this Broncos offense heading into next season. We talked about the quarterback situation and also the contract situation with Von Miller. Hopefully we broke that down a little bit for you. And then we wrap things up with our favorite football movies. So a pretty good show here. So we'll be back next week and uh, who knows what we'll talk about then. Maybe we, maybe there's a new quarterback, you know, maybe there's some other draft talk. Who knows? Anything is possible, Eric. That's what's anything is possible. That's there's a magic here for, for the show. Anything is possible. So we'll be back next week. Until then, for Eric Dalal, I'm Phil Milani. You've been listening to the, the neutral, neutral zone. zone.